Hey y'all, this is Lee from the Magic Our Way podcast, and you're listening to the BS Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. We got the boys, George and Chris here, and uh, we've got a we've got a rather interesting uh, episode for you. We were watching Bob Lazar, Area Fifty One, and Flying Saucers, which was a Netflix Correct. documentary. Correct. George, you want to go ahead and just give us two two sentence, three sentence synopsis of the of the what we watched? Oh boy. Um. Well, I I want to touch first as to why I chose this oh, yes, documentary. Please. Go ahead, um, please. <laughs> obviously we love uh we love Joe Rogan and as soon as Joe Rogan had on Bob Lazar, it was right around the time in which it was like probably a year after he released it. I remember I think it was a little sooner. I think it was like a couple months. I feel like they were on a press tour for it. Correct. Because Bob was just talking about he was like, yeah, I just got raided. You mm-hmm. know, I'm trying to like lay low. He's like, I have a really bad migraine. I'm I'm really sorry. It came out in 2018, but I'm assuming late 2018, probably like fourth quarter 2018. Right. It's that old? It's what, three years old now? Yeah, I know, right? Kind of crazy to believe. I guess that it was a minute ago, yeah. Um, But that definitely sparked the interest into wanting to watch this documentary. And this is honestly our first documentary. I know I, I had spit it out as an idea in the past, but I think what you guys are doing now with your YouTube channel, The Truly Bizarre, check out Truly Bizarre. Thanks. Um, this kind of fits into somewhat of the scheme. I know you guys don't really cover alien uh encounter. Oh, we're going to. You're going to? Okay. We we have yeah, full intentions. That's of definitely doing that. gonna happen. Okay, the, for sure. The the episode that Chris has coming up that uh I need to get off my butt and edit. <laughs> I feel so bad for Chris because I've been meaning to edit this and I've just been procrastinating so hard. And I'm like, poor Chris. Chris put a lot of work into this goddamn video. I need to do put in my part. But uh, Chris is gonna a, happen. It's gonna happen. Chris has a really, really interesting episode, and I think that's going to really propel us into getting into more extraterrestrial. nutty-ass shit, bro. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So getting back to it, Bob Lazar's documentary pretty much just encapsulates Bob Lazar's experience at Area 51, the couple of months he worked there. I don't know if we pinpointed actually- Um, I did not pinpoint- How long he worked there. I, From what I remember in past podcasts, it was only- It wasn't very long. It was probably like four months. Um, well, you know why he he was no longer working there, right? I was his wife was cheating on yeah, him. Yeah, with like her fitness instructor, and so they thought that he was going to crack under the pressure, so they fired him because mm-hmm. they thought like, oh, he's not going to be able to be emotionally strong enough to hold on to the sensitive information. Boy, were they wrong or were they right? Because <laughs> well, the whole documentary lit, and this was thirty years ago. It, it's um interesting to me. This documentary was an hour and a half. It could have very well been two and a half hours if you really go into that yeah. part of Bob's life, which I think in the the director, Jeremy Corbell, possibly wanted to touch on that. But at the same time, that's very sensitive information right. there. Your wife cheating on you, you getting told by the fucking federal government that your wife's cheating on you. Yeah, because they tap your phone lines because mm-hmm. they, they monitor you. You know, that's got to be some shit like, hey, yo, your, your wife's there. Like, oh, thanks. But I, so, like to touch on that, though, I feel like this 
documentary went way different than I thought it was. I thought it was going to be like a history channel. Like, were aliens there at the first Thanksgiving? <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's a lot of the ancient alien shit. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have all seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was a lot different than any other alien documentary that I've ever seen. Chris, do you feel the same exact way? Like, in the knowledge that you gained over the last hour and a half? Yes. So, like, obviously, I think we could all agree that we, like, grew up watching, like, those crazy UFO shows on, like, Discovery Channel or History Channel. Um, and a lot of them are kind of, like, nutty in the sense that it's, like, this guy has this story. Whoa. But this one, I think, when you really look at it, the story, basically, like, the whole... uh thing comes down to whether or not you, you believe Bob Lazar's story and I think it carries a lot of credibility um, and whether you're conspiracy minded or not you kind of he, he, he paints all these things to legitim- legitim- legitimize? Yeah, legitimize legitimize legitify legitify that's a new word oh. he created it we're going with it he sought to legitify himself <laughs> and um so, you know, for one, basically, like, okay, he worked at this place. He said it was a, a facility called S4 off of Groom Lake. Correct. Yeah, like a couple miles south or north of Groom Lake. Yeah, Groom Lake was this, like, uh, I believe that's where they say uh, uh, they, they built the SR-71 Blackbird yes. back during the Cold War days, right? Um, so real top secret shit. And, you know, it's very close to, like, the Area 51 culture. Um, basically, Bob Lazar came out and said, hey, they have craft where I worked. Mac and cheese? They, bro, no, craft punk. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, so and basically from then on, he became this like whistleblower type. And uh, it's just been people scrutinizing every, you know, how these things go. He's like, yeah, I can't see anymore or else like they're going to like suicide me. Okay. Suicide me. So. Um, but I think when you look at the details, his story comes with a lot of credibility. And that's what, to answer your question, that's what separates it from a lot of these other documentaries. Exactly. So I feel the best way to approach this is I know you have notes. I have bullet points that I have. And Chris is, one, like we always say, Chris will have a multi-level marketing scheme. I'm the by fucking the- scatterbrain, dude. It's all, <laughs> yeah, it's all picking around. <laughs> it's like you shoot a bullet in the tank. <laughs> That's, that's 22 in the middle room. Oh my God. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with a, a point, a few points. Um, the first one, and I wrote this at the very beginning was FBI raid. Because right. at first I was like, what the fuck? Because the, so for people who don't know the beginning of the documentary, it shows the guy, the main guy, you know, the one who's behind it all, this whole documentary is texting Bob Lazar and Bob Lazar is like, uh, FBI raid now as three separate texts. And he's like, Oh shit. Okay. And I think that dude lives here. I think he lives here in Vegas. Um, are you talking Bob or are you talking no, Jeremy? Jeremy. Bob lives in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know where uh, where Jeremy lives, but it was very interesting. Uh, keep going with the opening scene because I think it's very important to the way so, this played out. So he's, he and then he goes. Uh, uh, he he does the whole and he does this a lot. He goes, uh, "Give me a time to call you. I will call you. You don't call me." Mm-hmm. He says that I believe at least twice in the film. And I was like, holy shit. And I thought it was going to go a totally different direction than it did. I, I mean, I, I still learned a lot and it was very entertaining and interesting, but I just, I was expecting it to go somewhere way different, but, um, mm, kind of like a, like a, like a crime or 
kind of like a crime scene investigation type scenario. I think I think that's what I was expecting, or more of like a aliens. This is what we know about them, and show a lot more video of craft. Mm. But that leads into my next point. Uh, I want to shoot that editor. Uh, so was the editor Jeremy Corbell at the end of I, it? it? I, I, I think so. It. And that would make me hate him even he's more. He's the director. So he he's definitely has final. The producer. He has final cut. Stay so. Um, Probably has final cut pro. That's why it looks so bad. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but I get where you're coming from with this. Cause this is not a, this is not cut in the sense that, you know, this is all historical. This is, you know, very robotic in the well, way they present information. The, the timeline of information and the sequencing didn't really bug me. It was like the added like effects, like they would just add echo onto people's voices for dramatic effect. And I'm like, this makes it sound even worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when he chooses to, uh, George Knapp, is that his name? The, Correct. The he, a reporter. Yeah. Investigative journalist. He chooses to interview him in his fucking pool room. Right. Well, I think we should start recording. First interview. The, I think we should start recording the podcast in a fucking pool room. Huh. Bro, let's find a cathedral, right? Yeah. With an organ. And we record all of our podcasts there. Um, Very interesting. Acoustics. But we don't have this, so we can't hear each other. So we have to yell because we're sitting at different parts of the church. What? <laughs> um, but like, so speaking as an, somebody who does editing somewhat professionally now, it, like it bugged me. I was like, what in the fuck? And then they, they would do like almost like Black Ops 1 like numbers, like montages, like <laughs> a bunch of. And I was like, okay, that's cool and all. But like. I feel like you could have, like, so for the truly bizarre, we do like a very, like, dramatic kind of showing. And definitely, definitely in the vein of a lot of, like, conspiracy media, like, and maybe even the more spookiness. Yeah, maybe some horror, like, like, creepypasta reads. So it's very, like, melodramatic, very, like, monotone, which they had Mickey Rourke as the narrator, and I wanted to shoot him too. I like so I wrote that so I have uh so I have I have a couple of points about it. first one I said I'm going to shoot this editor then I said whoever the fuck recorded this audio should be shot too <laughs> then I said uh I hate this narrator too he has edgy dialogue just for the sake of being edgy like he would cuss and be like we're just fucking do-. I'm like like you this could have been way better if you just didn't do that I okay so where you're going with that. I feel completely opposite what? as far as the Call of Duty S cutaways. Um, you definitely got a Black Ops vibe. It's like whoever like was was creating this was like, okay, um, let me just Jeremy's watch like number one in the world in Black Ops one. Let me play every Call of Duty story ever, and then let me just in between important scenes in the in the documentary, let me just toss in like this cutaway that kind of just makes you perceive reality in a different way or like you know all the questions that you may be having they're saying during this little cutaway and i thought mickey rourke's voice is excellent because it gave me if if what if call of duty s cutaways is what they were going for holy fucking shit you nailed it oh yeah it was it was like i i don't want to say the quality is bad because the quality wasn't bad it was just the, like the creative decision mm-hmm. i was not a fan of but it's art so what can i say i think mickey rourke's voice in general was pretty good it's just some of the lines were just like really all right it was kind of cringy they paid him on cameo <laughs> yeah i wonder for how much i could look right now um i, I was i was kind of in the middle about because okay with 
these types of like uh tv shows and like documentaries there's a culture surrounding it to where like there has to be that like spooky conspiratorial production value and i find myself with a lot of documentaries putting up to putting up with it with some of the stuff um i thought that like those like saturated like they showed like nukes going off and like uh like airplanes and stuff the the ones that really look like the like the black ops briefing mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. screens those were cool the narration mickey work that was they were just trying to drum up a drama that he gave no relevant information right which i could have done without that um, but like I said, with these types of things, like they're meant to be like TV or movie quality, like entertainment. So I, I understand and I accept and I put up with that stuff on the usual when I watch this type of thing. So, you know, I'm just like in the middle, I guess. I feel it. I feel it. Um, I definitely think, uh, there was, we should almost go back and count the amount of nukes that you see go off. Yeah, bro. I, I could have sworn I saw Hiroshima like eight times, bro. <laughs> Dead ass, bro. Like they just kept showing these, uh, these freaking nukes going off, it's mushroom clouds. And for everyone out there watching, right, we're recording this in Las Vegas. It, it, it kind of, um, gives you like a surreal feeling. I've lived, we've all lived in Vegas our entire lives, and this facility, I'm not even. I'm just gonna spitball. Probably about two hundred fifty, three hundred miles from where we are I don't sitting. Even think it's that far. I think it's like two hours drive right now it's so like an hour maybe like 180 miles could yeah, be even shorter because because san diego is like 300 miles and that's like a four or five hour drive. you're right you're right that's cali traffic for you even with like i'm talking four hours with like no traffic mm, okay okay but i mean it, it didn't, didn't you guys feel that like kind of all setting in you're just like man this shit is fucking with in driving range of us yes um but i've always felt that because i'm i like to freak myself out and get anxious and i would wa- like a channel we like to model ourselves after with the truly bizarre is, is called top fives. So that's what a lot of where I gain my influence from. And I watched a ton of videos about aliens that he does. And 99% of them S4 Nevada, mm. approximately blah, 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 from Las Vegas. I was like, huh, I'm going to die. <laughs> right. So, um, I, one of the questions that I had, and I wonder if you guys had the same thing, you know, Bob's story is so, fucking unique and you know it's very specific because like we said you know he didn't get to see the whole no shebang. it was compartmentalized it was very compartmentalized he had a very specific part in the project in which he was able to um elaborate on that specific part in great detail in this documentary you're gonna find out exactly what he worked on once you start watching this but my question was you know he's not the only person there has to be close to now it's been 30 years thousands of people to have come out of um working at S4 or around that location um and i was wondering if you guys felt like you know did that give you any sort of skepticism as to why anybody else hasn't spoken out or do you think you know they saw what happened to him and they're like let me not speak out what do you guys feel um definitely i feel like maybe the other people just are like i'm fucking happy to be here like, if you ever played Fallout New Vegas, there's that Mr. Fantastic. Do you remember that? No. So he's working on, like, a power plant, and they just asked him if he had a a, a degree oh, in theoretical at physics. The, uh, the NCR ran a hydro. Helios. 
Ilios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they ask that him, like, weird. Do you have a do you have a degree in theoretical physics? He goes, I have a theoretical degree in physics, and they're like, perfect. <laughs> so he's just so happy to be there because he's in charge. So I feel like a lot of the, I think uh, in the Joe Rogan interview, he says like the guy he was working with was very like, yeah, isn't this shit cool? Like very yeah. like, I like being here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Chris, what do you think? Playing into that, you know what I mean? Like, why hasn't there been more people to fuck come out and just you know spread their wealth of knowledge? Okay, so my perception is that like these people, when they were briefed for this fucking project. They were t- like, they weren't told like, oh, just don't tell anybody. I- I'm pretty sure that these people were told like, if you let these things out, you're like, you're going to get offed. Like that, that was my perception of how these types of things go. Um, Because like, dude, that's like beyond classified. Right. And um, the way Bob Lazar puts it at, is as like, they needed me so bad. And that like, he's like, he, and you know, they show how knowledgeable he is. This guy has a, a particle accelerator that he fucking built. His house is a lab. Yeah. And then he has his own lab too, which is, is astonishing. But we'll, I guess we'll get into that. Um, he, he figures, yeah, they must've needed me so bad for this project that, that that's the only reason why I got to know all of this information. And they took that risk. Is because they so desperately needed me. Yeah, because he was saying like they could have, they had their pick at any scientist in the world, mm-hmm. but they picked me. And I think I think the reason why is because he had that jet engine car, mm-hmm. and jet engine fucking motorcycles, jet engine fucking red wagons. Now I have something very interesting to toss in here because I wanted just to probe you guys real quick anally and just <laughs> see uh, what you guys thought. Now. Mind you, I don't have all the information here when I'm bringing this up, but um, Cameron's grandpa, very, uh, very quiet man, and you know, age has not done him too well. He has, has he Parkinson's seen some stuff, now. Man, some things. So wouldn't recommend he, it. He used to work uh, as a firefighter out here in Las Vegas. Now there was stories, and I heard these stories, mind you, like three, four years ago. So a little foggy. Um, and he would tell me, you know. They would take him out and where he he would say it was Area 51. He knows Las Vegas really well. Um, and there would be like this time in which he would get to leave the fire department and go to this Area 51 location. It could not it, it could possibly be S4. It could not be S4. I don't know. But he said that, you know, there was a level of uh, th- there's only certain people there. bro, And he fits this mold of person. That is exactly like Bob Lazar, a man who cares about his family, a man that is deep in values, a man that, you know, would not risk spilling this important information for the sake of his family. And, you know, I think that goes into picking people that work at this place a lot more than what people may think. You know, they may want introverted people that they know could be afraid of the government. You know, that love their country, that love their family enough to not share that information. So I think that plays a big part. I don't know what Cameron's grandpa fully did there. I was to say, do he, you think he's Bob Lazar? Is that what you're trying to say? No, but I think that if he did actually work at Area 51, what he was telling me is all stuff that I really did expect. You know, you keep your mouth shut. You have no, well, they didn't have cell phones back when he was working uh, as a firefighter, but, um, you know, it was a very on a need to know basis. 
you, I could tell when he was expressing this story to me, similar to how Bob, when he was expressing his story, he was like, I don't give a shit if you believe me or not. But this shit was so fucking high profile, high class that, you know, I just feel uncomfortable at times talking about it because, you know, he, he did make that, that oath in a sense to never speak right. upon these kind of uh, thoughts and theories. And I mean, I would love to, you know, he's getting back right Cameron's grandpa like I said she had he had Parkinson's and you know his medication starting to kick back he's starting to speak more I definitely want to ask him his birthday's on Sunday you know I'm going to sit down with him and be like hey bring your zoom like uh, I might actually record the conversation just for the sake of not only Cameron's family having but, a, but a recording evidence. just but evidence evidence uh, if he does say anything they, it sounds interesting. You what know if what he I mean? just goes off on like a Vietnam tangent or something? I would cut the. I would cut it. I would be like, oh, right, no, dude, right. you got to keep it. <laughs> well, he. Uh, another interesting thing that I find about this guy, um, Cameron's grandpa, well, Don is his name. I should have fucking been referring to him as Don <laughs> this whole time, but uh, he loves that kind of um, history and books and research. He loves to read, so he has a shit ton of Area Fifty One books like a like insane amount so you know you take it for what you what you want what i i did see a lot of characteristics between bob and don is all i'm trying to say mm. in that in that sense very well okay i have an add-on to that go ahead i'm a scientist no just kidding <laughs> um there was somebody that was um i would call in my extended family it was me um it's austin that but he he was um he per this family member it was the not spouse because they weren't like official but they were like together of a family member right and he said older older gentleman he's extremely the most well-read person i know in real life like he's the kind of guy that has a study full of books and you know you bring up any abstract topic and he could riff about some really intricate like knowledge right you bring up you know oh somebody says something about global warming and he'll go on this like this whole this whole tangent of all this knowledge he knows because he's super well read and you know but anyways he said that he worked at a facility and he said that he saw an alien he said that they have aliens at the fucking facility and okay. is this here in las vegas here you in know. nevada here okay. in nevada i don't know what the base was I don't remember. Oh, it's Area 51. <laughs> it's the Seagull Suites on MLK. <laughs> Bro, beneath the budget suites. That's where the reptiles are kept. No, this is very interesting. See, because I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to catch you up, but I want to add on to that because I wrote this in there. I said, Bob Lazar can't be lying because he talks about a figure. And like, if he really, and like he even says, he goes, this doesn't make me any money or anything. If he really wanted to run off with it, he could totally be like, I saw an alien. But he goes, no, he's like, I don't think it was. He's like, I think it was a doll. Mm-hmm. That that like that gave me all the proof that I needed, on top of all the info. Like you don't just know that shit in the eighties, mm. but like he was like. So for people who don't know, I guess I'll go a little bit into it because he said this before. It's most of this information is already out. Like before this documentary even came out, he said he was walking down the hallway at S four, and he peered down the hallway, and there's like he said like six to twelve inch size windows, with like bars through them. And he said he saw two guys looking down at like a small figure with long arms. But like he could have totally have just been like, that was a fucking alien, bro. Calling it. 
No, instead he was like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck that was. He's like, I don't think it was an alien. So I think like to go up based on that, I think he's sincerely telling the truth just based on that alone, let alone everything else. That is a very uh, telling scene when he's, when he's talking about that because you have to have, I don't know if it's like Jeremy. This is where I think Jeremy has his genius. He does an excellent job of proving that everything that Bob has said is true. And he's gone to extents further than George Knapp did to find some evidence that, you know, he wasn't able to uncover. Um, the alien thing is extremely, extremely fascinating to me because, you know, a, the thing that I find hard to believe coming from this documentary is that if they have the abilities to, to create these anti-gravity jet propulsion craft, you know, like, do the, these crafts fuck up that much that we're actually able to catch some of these sons of bitches? Have we been going out to catch some of these guys? Um, well, you know, in what, in which ways could they actually be caught? You know what I mean? Well, here's the thing. I also, this was another point that I wrote though, in the, the latest stimulus pack, package that we got, the Pentagon has been releasing information about UFOs. I noticed that, yeah. And they, like, they're straight up like, yeah, we, we, I don't know what the fuck that is. And so I wanted to know, like, I wanted to see if we could make, maybe get, and we're not going to get him on here, but get him on the Jerogan podcast and have him, you know, I, I said, I wonder what Bob thinks now that the government is declassifying UFO knowledge. Like, that reminds me of, uh, that, that goes back to, like, a topic in the whole, like, discourse of the, like, the, the film. Um, he legitimizes himself by things that he knows. Okay. So people say like, ah, we don't know that he worked in the facility. We don't know that there's UFOs. We don't know if anything about his story is true, but he says things that later become known. Right. Right. There was no, uh, public, there was no publication that mentioned the S4 facility before he did. Right. And when they showed him, he mentioned in his early stories, he talked about, the biometric hand scanner that they use that he said, yeah, I know it's a lot like science fiction, but there was a very rudimentary form of that, that we did have to use. And then later on, he was actually given pictures of the scanners and it's like, yeah, this was a real thing. Right. I didn't make this shit up. Um, as well as, you know, like you said, you know, most of the time when somebody has a bullshit story, They're they really bullshit. it. They have all the details, right? Like with the doll thing, he said, I got a quick glance at what I thought could have been an alien, but in my mind, I think it might have been a doll because I didn't really see it that well. You know, he doesn't have all the answers. And when he's talking about that spaceship diagram later, he's like, yeah, um, I focus on this part. So I knew these functions, but this top compartment, I don't know what it is. I can only theorize that maybe it was a sensor. I didn't work on that. So I don't know. And so there's a lot of legitimization there. Um, something that I want to zero in on is when he uses the term, um, the guy's asking him, you know, do you feel vindicated by this information coming out that, you know, uh, uh, adds to your credibility by like confirming these things that you said, he said, yeah, it's nice to be vindicated or, uh, you know, they're like these little told you so's and this, this is going to be a quick, quick fucking rant. Okay. Conspiracies <laughs> always go this way, right? Conspiracy Jones. Yeah, Alex Jones, right? Conspiracy theorists, they have this like stigma around them, like, oh, they just make up this bullshit stuff. But then you have conspiracies that turned out true, like uh, Operation uh, Midnight Climax, COINTELPRO. 
all these other conspiracies, right? That they, it, it, you know, or like uh, the the farce that was the Gulf of Tonkin that got into Vietnam. It was fucking bullshit, right? All this shit is historically confirmed to be uh, a conspiracy in hindsight. But do do you think the conspiracy theorists did anybody ever apologize to them and say, "Oh, I guess you were right"? That, no, they just say, "Oh, I guess he was right." Th- yeah, they just silently accept it, and so it, it feels like I told you so because it's like, you know, and and I understand there's like the social pressure to. You don't want to be the conspiracy guy, you know, but then at the same time, science shouldn't be a dogma. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. He wears that shirt with the Einstein quote that says, you know, I'm glad you, fa- I'm glad yeah, you saw I, that. I saw it too. What did it say? Exactly. It's, it says if we knew what we were, if, if we knew what we were reading, if we knew everything, or it's it, like, if we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't call it research. If we knew. Yeah. If we knew what we, if we knew what we were researching, we wouldn't call it science. Yeah. Which means that, Science is taking what you know, but also accepting that there are unknowns. Mm-hmm. And um, that speaks totally true for this like topic. People always are like quick to decry pseudoscience. Like, that's not proven. Uh, neither was fucking round earth, motherfucker. It's still not to some people. Okay, yeah. That's <laughs> but that's another, the whole point of science. Topic, those motherfuckers. That's, I mean, that's at least what I got from all the science classes I had is like, I feel like pseudoscience, so like, I have a small programming background. We would do pseudocode. Okay, what is that? Uh, I have my notes open right now. Instead of typing my text, like my code into a code compiler, I would type it into here. Okay. I would, I would type it as if I was typing it in there, but it's just for the sake of like brevity and just to be like, oh, this is muscle memory for how to do it, but I'm not really doing it. I feel like with science, they're still really researching. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, we're pretending, like, oh, I put on my, so put on my fake little telescope and, I think that's the the beauty of humans, in a sense. It's ever evolving, and it it, it all kind of ties in. I think uh, the thing that people are going to hate once you know we do start to unveil how we actually became humans, how we got here, you know, what's the origin, is that uh, you know, that is just the process. You know what I mean? We've known this the whole time; it's ever changing. And I think for some people, they want this definitive answer. And aliens don't fucking give you that answer. <laughs> nope. I don't think. You know what I mean? Because if you know no, everything, it's just another that's the thing. Piece. If you know everything, right? There's no need for science. Mm. There's, scientists wouldn't fucking exist yeah, if you then knew what's everything. The, what's the point? Right? Uh, to go off of what you said, though, of like stuff that's now coming into the known. In 1989, he was talking about Element 115. Element 115 wasn't first synthesized until 2003. And then in December 2015, it was recognized as one of four new elements. You said in what year it was recognized? 2015. Okay. And I remember did this. You see, did you hear what he said was the alternative at the time? AL1 or uh, LA1000. That was the name. That was a, that was the code name for it. But, but they said the alter. He said the alternative was plutonium. Plutonium. Which he not, said didn't which they, work. Which he said didn't not work. Not vibranium. Not vibranium. <laughs> not this fucking Wakanda shit. <laughs> um, but I think that's. So like I wrote that down as like element 115, uh, you know, uh, Moscovium. And they said that they called it LA1000. And they said it was like a to get, to stop people from asking questions. It's an armored material. They're like, ah, it's for the government. We're testing out a new armor material here. And they're like, okay, you know, places not like S four. You know, maybe like Los Alamos. Um. Okay. Do, do do we want to go on the the brief call it Call of Duty connection? Holy shit! Uh, I think I, I think we have to. So might as well just jump into it. 
I think uh, Call of Duty did a phenomenal job of at least in a in the most entertaining way informing us of what could possibly be the most evolutionary element ever known to man. Um, which I appreciate. Thank you, Call of Duty, because our parents are going to be like, "How the fuck did you know about Elephant One Fifteen? You know what you I mean? You bought it for me, Mom. <laughs> At GameStop, you had to. I wasn't old enough. You had to show me your ID. <laughs> go, no, you guys, go ahead. I got to flip my chain. You around. guys I just realized. Go ahead and talk about it. Okay, so when I like started seeing like science like documentaries and shit talking about Element One One Five, I'm like, bro, that's they talk about then Call of Duty Zombies. <laughs> the but the and and it's it was very cool like the story of the the zombies got off the rails a few games in and it was like eh, I don't give a fuck about this anymore but there was a point where it was really like subtle and interesting like there was like hints in the game you had to like put it all together like puzzle pieces right um in the lore element 115 was extraterrestrial uh, there was an event where a meteor crashed into the earth i think it was called the tunguski event or something named after the the place where it landed and uh, basically in the lore the element 115 exposure is what caused people to start turning into zombies and so basically like the story follows that relating to this um there's a subplot basically the illuminati is a thing in that story right and group 935 are like the scientists who like do all the zombie shit they like they thought up all the technology like the teleporter they use element 115 like time travel make wonder weapons you know like like a crazy like the thunder gun rig and all this crazy shit um but there's also in the map keynote or toten and other maps there's diagrams of ufos and basically it's it's what uh uh oh my god what's the guy we're talking about his name again bob lazar bob uh bob lazar. yeah bob lazar i was gonna say rick Kaufman. holy shit <laughs> <laughs> well group 935 was developing all, all of Group 935's technology uses Element 115, and they were making diagrams for spaceships that you could find in the maps. It had all these equations on it, and it was like, a, they, they, but they, they went into like some other stuff like, oh, it's ether, ether-based technology, but it was a propulsion system that was fueled with 115. So like I always say, like, hats off to that like fiction in the video game for like doing such an outstanding job of being entertaining. I guarantee you like one of the writers like saw that news report in 89 and was like, yo. Well, it's kind of crazy that you said it became an element in 2015. Research is done, I'm assuming, had been going on for a while. You know, they were synthetically creating it, like you said. Bro, it it's just it's the perfect uh real world tie that you never expect from Call of Duty. Um and which makes me think, you know, that whoever was creating this, you know, with those Call of Duty cutaways and shit, dude, it's like you're you're about to you're playing the story of a Call of Duty game in a sense. Um, I like like Chris said, it, it blew my mind um, when you start hearing Element 115 and you're just like, whoa, I feel like he's about to make a ray gun. Like you like <laughs> you have this you have this eerie feeling that, you know, he's going to tie it into Call of Duty somehow. Never happens. Um, so the fact that it never happens, we're going to continue on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go. Let's go to the next segment of this. So real quick, they talk about, uh, so all throughout the documentary, they're showing like news, news, like, cause he was on the news a lot when he came out about it. Um, he talks about, he was shot at with warning shots. Well, he was shot at the news reporter goes, Oh, do you think it was a warning? He goes, it was a pretty damn good warning. Cause they blew up my back tire. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was a warning. 
I don't either. No, I, I wholly believe that they tried to kill him. Yeah. On more than one occasion. I'm surprised they haven't. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit surprised by that, too. So I was thinking, why haven't they killed this guy? If you kill him. Oh, then everybody it's, knows. It's too evident. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, like. But, you know, I think the government and if, if I watched House of Cards or any governmental show, government gets people killed. <laughs> West Wing. Very, very quietly. You know what I mean? It, it, they make it look exactly how they want it to look. They have the story prepared. It's no problem to them. I think um, he brings it up towards the end that, you know, people just don't fucking believe people that bring up UFOs sightings. They're like, oh, let's just take away the, all this dude's credentials. Nobody will believe him. Let's take him off the map and nobody's going to believe this guy. I mean, who would believe a guy that isn't an actual scientist? Right. Or a, a, a somebody who has a degree because they called his schools because he thinks he went to MIT. And they're like, who? Right. And then uh, they called Los Alamos and they like had a phone book from then. And they were like, look, we know he's here with the other scientists. And they're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine? That's the thing. I, I, um, I, I wonder if it's the government that goes in and is like briefing all these people that, hey, if anybody calls, this man doesn't exist. Or if it's really that the government has that power um, with like, over all like the head CEOs of companies and stuff and, and universities and stuff to just be like, Hey, this dude, no more. Oh yeah. They could probably, I guarantee they can come and be like, I, we believe it is in your, your institute institution's best interest to, to remove this person from your records. And how much money did you say for you needed for that new football field? And here you go. And <laughs> did we tell you we have a guy yeah. who can spray paint it blue and gold at midnight and have a pristine job done or spray paint a table and put the lukewarm cinema podcast on it? We got the guy. We got the guy speaking. So I, people watching this right now, will see that we have a table now that George made. And I think it looks fucking badass. It's a he it's our normal table. He spray painted it black and then put white lettering that says the lukewarm cinema podcast. I think this is fucking genius. So for people who are listening, you know, not viewing, but listening. Uh, I just described it for you. So this is a reason to go check out our, our YouTube channel. Yeah. Or our Twitter and our Instagram. Because and then I'm, see the be pic. There. And then see the pic. Why not? No, it, it, I was tired of seeing this fucking ugly ass. It was one of those plain ass. You you probably played beer pong on one of these tables. It's a nice little mm -hmm. six footer. It's not regulation I made, I made size. a lot of Thanksgiving dinners at the kids table on this. Right? Like yeah. we all have, we've all sitting at this table before, but this table, just a little bit more special. I personally, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of podcasts. No other podcast really has a table with their name on it. If I'm being yeah. honest. Well, Joe Rogan doesn't need to, but. Hey, well, fuck him. What do they put we like, what one. do they put like him with like the monkey? Just like, Ooh, uh -huh. Yeah, I hope they do. So George, I, I know you. I think I've covered all of my points. I have a couple, like a reactionless craft and a craft that could self-orientate itself. I just found those very interesting. You know, I was like, "What the fuck?" And like how he said, like the craft. So for anybody who's not seeing this, he said that it would be belly down like a normal saucer would that you would think, and it would go. You know, when it takes off, and then when it gets into space, it would turn its belly up towards the destination. And it would go that direction. So it would fly like sideways. Like, honestly, like how a rocket does. Mm. Except, yeah, but, but sideways, not straight up. Well, the way I interpreted that was that um, 
the the things that he was working on specifically right those cones that can shoot out and control gravity and bend gravity so you can fly towards the it. reactors i think of it as just a rocket except the force is going a different way you know you well, don't have anything coming out the back it's just all well yeah he explained it he said it creates a, a gravitational you know like a i don't want to like a well, you said sideways that's why i'm confused because so it's it's like the, he said it was like this mm-hmm. here's so here's the top of the saucer Here's the bottom. He said it would go like this and go this way. For sure. For sure. So, no, that's so, okay. No, we're, we're on the same page. We're, we're I was, we're on the same page, but when you said sideways, I was like, you thought it was gonna be like this. I, well, no, no. I thought it's you were what talking we like, think of as sideways. Cause right? we think of a flying saucer. Okay. Here it's upright and it's going to move sideways. Right. When in his definition and God, how specific a diagram he gave of those reactors. I don't think you could make that shit up. You know what I mean? For real. I mean, DMT does a lot of shit, but <laughs> I saw that. the machine elves. They're, they're in the realm. The, the machine elves. That's what they always say. You look at posts of DMT. They're like, bro, did you see the machine elves? No, no idea what the fuck that's bro, all one about. One of them had Jesus Alex Jones' Christ. voice. Jesus Christ. But uh, awesome diagram. He explained that the three reactors that they're in the bottom part below the floor, they pull towards the. Basically, they're what pulls the ship towards the whatever the destination is yeah well he gave a he gave like a like a, a elementary school style like experiment you could try he said okay put a bowling ball on your bed then about a foot away push your fist into the bed and when the ball comes towards it, that's kind of the effect that it has it creates like a, a dip in gravity so it comes towards Balls it. forward but it'll do that at like a great distance or it'll like keep resetting itself and so it continuously moves yeah which is just absolutely insane but i think theoretically right scientifically that's you know we've been taught gravity our whole lives throughout every facet of science the fact that it ties in directly towards gravity i'm like well that shit already exists and you know what i mean this is just the next version we're going to be able to bend that shit right you you make me think of uh, a very important and really nice way that he put it in in the documentary he says that like with the way we treat like the concept of you know this alien craft that has never existed before right it's like we don't believe it but like if you gave a plutonium reactor to somebody in the victorian times you know centuries and centuries ago they what would happen to them they'd go up to it they'd say oh it's making energy let's check it out and then they'd all die from the radiation and they just fuck off it because they think it's haunted yeah. Okay, <laughs> science should not be a dogma because if we treat it that way, that that's where it gets you. You think the fucking reactor's haunted, so that's why you have we have to kind of be open to. We're not at the final stage of science, you know. It's always we'll moving be there. forward, mm-hmm. right? Like if you look at just like this right here, a cell phone. You good? Yeah, I just read this next point that I wrote down. I completely forgot I wrote it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you look at the cell phone, though, if you go back 15 years, this shit would be like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. But now we're like, yeah, I just got an iPhone XR, bro. Like, what the fuck? I don't even got that 12. Right. It's like how he said, like, you know, he took it for granted. Like, if you gave somebody in the 1800s a car, you know, after a couple of days, they'd be like, all right, it's a car. You just learn to take, you just take for granted. But please, George, enlighten us on this. Uh, I'm sorry. I like literally can't stop laughing because <laughs> how the fuck have we not talked about Bob Lazar getting arrested 
Oh, fuck. For fucking uh, setting up a brothel with hookers and stuff in this cul-de-sac. I feel like what happened and he and like like the George Knapp said, like he thought it was fucking funny. And he was like, bro, you're like delegitimizing everything I've done. But that also led into like how. uh, So before we go into the details, he said, you know, he went to trial for it and he said it would have been like. uh, Up until that point, nobody had been charged with like prostitution or something like that, but he was. Mm-hmm. And it was this was after he had come out and said like, oh yeah, aliens. Um, and they they basically were looking into his background and they couldn't find anything. And so they were basically like, well, we recommend probation, but we're going to recommend more because we can't identify who this guy is and we think he might just be lying to us. Because he gave him the whole spiel too. Like, yeah, I went to MIT. I worked for Alamos Labs. I worked for S4. Whoa. When the government's plan backfires. See, while you were listening to all that, I just cannot stop thinking about Bob Lazar slinging hookers. Oh, yeah. It's, well, I think that's what, all I could think about at that point in time. So to finish that last point, though, he's talking about how George Knapp is talking about like that was the time to come clean because he probably would have just gotten probation. I don't know if he ever served prison time. He might have. He said it, I thought it was just probation. Uh, yeah, but they, they were recommending prison mm. because they were like, well, you're lying to us now. And he was like, no, he stuck to his guns. Like, that would be the time to come forward. With, all right. I was just making that shit up. Like. Please don't fucking throw me in prison. But I think he was like slinging fucking a brothel because he was just like, fuck it, man. Like, I'm going to die at any minute. The gov- Why don't I just do something interesting with my life? Because he, you look at him, he looks like a guy that played D&D in his basement and had like one friend. He definitely had a dweeb. Like, he's like knowing now he's a very interesting man. But like, he definitely has that like Bill Gates, like dweebishness mm-hmm. just of the way he looks. Um, But, you know, like. I think the brothel thing was the typical thing. You have like a, a whistleblower type and, oh, we got to slander him somehow. Oh, he ran a brothel. That means even though the motherfucker's building particle accelerators. <laughs> oh, oh, he's Ill- he's not a legitimate person to believe because he ran a bro. He lost his fucking job with the government because his wife was cheating on him. Yeah. And this motherfucker wanted some damn extra income. And he's like, what's some lucrative shit? Prostitute. <laughs> Everybody got a dick. Eight How years later, I... he has a fucking lab in his house and a particle accelerator. What if You're he gonna, was like, what if know? he was like equipping them with like plutonium and shit or something like that? And so the guys were just like, that was the best sex ever. I'm a little itchy, but that shit was bomb. I'm coming back. What's that thing you used to lift me off the ground? I want that again. I've never been fucked and just like, I felt like I was in there. The guys are like that because <laughs> he's got fucking element 115 particle things. He's fucking shooting bitches up as he's banging he's them. He's got like a, like a destroy all humans, a little particle thing. You could pick or Gary's mind. You could pick people up. Literally, bro. He was like, bro, spread your ass cheeks. <laughs> I, I found it interesting that they uh, not only that this happened, but that they shared this. Yeah, they uh, we could have gone without. Well, it, it added to George Knapp legitimizing because George Knapp said he spent eight months trying to just figure out who the fuck this guy was. Right. Because right. they were calling him Dennis at first. And so they're just trying to figure out like, what? okay, what in the, like, uh, how do I know you're telling the truth? What if he's so smart into thinking, okay, like he started to think like, okay, they're going to delegitimize the shit out of me here. They're going to try to make me fall off the face of the earth. If I commit a crime and I'm put on trial, like maybe at that point, then I can kind of come clean in the sense that, you know, I'm protected by the law because now they have to find out who I am. What if he's that smart and thought that far ahead? Or if that shit just kind of happened because that did legitimize him. 
um, in the sense that people were able to identify that this uh, this guy actually exists and where's all his credentials? You know what I mean? Where's his degree? Yeah, I, I was waiting for him to be like, I have it here. Like, George's is right there. Mm-hmm. Like, I was waiting for him to just bust out and be like, yeah, here's my degree from MIT. That made me, that was a little fishy because you have somebody at your house going, yeah, are you legitimate? You could have been like, look at my fucking degree. Mm-hmm. But I, we never saw that, so. I think that discourse, obviously, it's like the the naysayers want to like, uh, like poke at it. Like, how do we know? Because like the the first thought is it's like Occam's razor. Uh, the simplest explanation it must be the true one, which when you add context that usually doesn't check out. But that's what they use, okay? And it's like, oh, he's just some random guy who said he's a scientist and said he worked for the government and claimed he saw aliens how do we even know he's a scientist? Like he's just some fucking shithead guy. Right. Um, and, uh, well, that's what he comes with the point going and saying, Oh, you think Los Alamos just hired me out of fucking high school. Right. Like they're not going to hire mm. you to work on, you know, propulsion systems at a high school. You got to have some degree backing you up with that. Correct. Okay. I remembered I was having a fucking um moment, but you fucking, well, you, you're still working on your MLM. That you're going to propose at the end of this episode. Yeah, right? no, but, but, but John, John Basso's involved and also <laughs> Bob Lazar, bro. It goes all the way to the top, okay? Um, but, but at the top is Beetlejuice from Howard Stern. Uh, Spell uh, red. L-A-E-S-T-E-R. <laughs> okay, so the thing is, like, you could, you could say, oh, we don't have any documents of his education. Bob Lazar, right? You could say that. And you could sit there and argue, oh, is it a government cover-up? Do they just not? It was just a mix-up. But the fact is, the motherfucker got, had an ordinance issue with the fucking law because he built a particle accelerator in his yard. He, we saw his lab where he does fucking experiments and chemistry and all this shit. Bro, it, it's so much more than you could fake. He <laughs> had the guy named Credentials. Oh, I don't know if he has formal education. He's a fucking he's a fucking Rick Sanchez from fucking Rick and Morty, bro. Literally. In his garage, bro. In his yeah, and like he's like, yeah, I just make fireworks for fun because they're cool. It's like art in the sky. And he's just like, yeah, I already know a perfect amount. He's not even looking and just fucking makes a firework. It's like uh, you don't just learn that shit just for like no reason. Like Yeah, it's weird. That family friend I was talking about, him and I, we used to make make like model rockets and go and shoot them out. Uh it was really cool. Like they they, it's a, basically a cardboard tube and they shoot way up a couple hundred feet in the air the cone comes out and it, the cone has a parachute yeah i used to do that with, with cub scouts back in the day i still have some he just liked handy little activities he could do that shit like casually which is what i thought of when he was when uh uh he was the guy in the movie was just bob lazar was just casually making these fireworks hot glue in the little tubes and putting the powder in them so that, that reminded me of that chris is like i wish i had a childhood Bro, it was space. It was yeah, I did. I built those. We built those model rockets. It's badass. Yeah, I remember we did that in in Cub Scouts, and then we go out to the desert and launch them. And one, oh, I remember this one kid. Uh, I don't remember how they would like you would start it, but I think it was on the little thing. It was like a stand, and then like somebody'd press a button, and it would just shoot off. One kid, like his rocket tipped over, so he went to go pick it up, and just went, <laughs> like right in front of him. Oh my god, that's dangerous. It was dangerous. It was it was is PVC pipe. And, like, it cut him a little bit, but, like, it could have been way worse. But, like, we were like, oh, my God, he's dead. How could you not? Yeah, you just see smoke going, the kid. Yeah. Uh, well, it was just like a poof. And then he just fell. And we were probably, like, seven, eight. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we, 
that's Cub Scouts for you. Cub Scouts, or you know, we go camping and a kid falls onto a cactus. Oh Because we would we would have we'd play we'd have marshmallow wars. Uh, and what we would do is we make blow guns out of PVC pipe, mm, and then we would all sick. we would all run around in like the little like campground and just. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, honestly, I kind of want to do that now. Like we should do that for an episode. Just maybe spitballs each uh, other, what? like keep each other on the. <laughs> Chris isn't, I Chris isn't paying it. attention. I'm just going to send one right right up his nostril. I, I'm like shooting ball bearings at them. <laughs> oh my. What the fuck? I can't see. I'll, take, just, I'll just go get the gun George's downstairs. You got the May as well at that point, yeah, you bro. Got the, you, got the, you got the spitballs. Chris has got the ball bearings. I have the 9 millimeter. Oh my god. I, I just have a flitlock pistol. I'm like <laughs> loading under the desk. What an interesting episode. But then you shoot and miss, and then he's like, George, can you sit still for five minutes? <laughs> you just wait. Oh, uh, yeah, Chris. Uh, really quick, though, I got to. And I'd shoot like 20 spitballs. So what, what else you got first, George? Because uh, I, um, I feel like I want to end off with some with some good points. You so got. like the last thing that I really felt legitimized the shit out of this guy was the, the whole hypnosis aspect. Oh, that was fucking weird. Also, mm-hmm. that's when I fucking hated the editor, too, because he would like double. He would like do a double take of the audio but like slightly he would delay uh, the second yes. take and I hated it and you saw me and I was sitting there just fucking like awesome. is this guy fucking serious I can't even relax right now um, but no I think this is something that I, I personally never never have like been like oh hypnosis is a thing I'd like to eventually try that at some point in time in my life and that's the kind of person that I am like I I like hearing stories, but at the same time, I way more rather experience it, get my own perspective, and then share my own perspective. Um, hypnosis is one thing I've never even considered before in my entire life. Uh, and they absolutely piqued my curiosity in this documentary because they use hypnosis as a form to prove Bob Lazar's story being true. This hypnosis, uh, hypnotist, that Bob Lazar went to kept detailed records, not only had detailed records, but also had a film of Bob Lazar as he was doing the hypnosis. And what he was saying is, you know, people who are pathological liars, it doesn't matter how much hypnosis you do on them. They're going to continue to be pathological liars. It's not like some truth serum. Hypnosis is best used when you're trying to recall information and you're trying to get a better understanding of a point in time in your life that you may, it may be clouded, you know, if you smoke a lot of weed, so you, your memory is not that good. Well, he was saying like, because he's, when he got there, it was just like the first day they gave him all these diagrams and all these like classified documents written. He was like, I don't even know what the fuck to do with this. Like, so he said it was like data overload. Like he was overstimulated. Mm-hmm. And so like what he was saying is, is he was like, I, I feel like the memories are there. I just can't actively like, remember them but i feel like this is going to help me bring it's kind of like seeing your wall and just going oh if i if i poke a hole i can see the drywall in there mm-hmm. it's kind of like I, I feel it's kind of like that like it's that's a like, good uh good enough or like you're digging in your backyard and you're like well this is still here it's still my backyard but now there's a gas line and yeah. we're all dead <laughs> so the hypnosis thing like uh, they started talking about it and i immediately thought the naysayers, they're going to have a fucking field day with this because, oh, he sees crazy. He thinks hypnosis is real. Um, But then, like, they explain, like, real hypnosis. It's not like cartoons where, like, they swing the pendulum and, 
They make you do things while you're unconscious. <laughs> Lick my wiener. Like yeah. Louis C.K., like Louis, the dentist. Or they have a little swirly thing, like, look into the swirl. It's not like that. It's, it's like a type of, like, therapy. Or it's kind of like, uh, like a psychiatrist who uses exercises to help you remember things. Right. It's like a very, like, simple, like, it's not like science fiction. It's just like, imagine a psychiatrist that it made you do exercises to help you kind of uh, unbundle your thoughts and just remember things better. That's perfect. That's way all to it put was. It. That's yeah. a perfect way to put it. Uh, real quick, um, because we gotta we gotta kind of start wrapping this up, and I want to get to ratings. But another thing though was, and I I said this because so Bob towards the end of the documentary, Bob there's like a thing, and Bob calls Jeremy and goes, "Hey, uh, something big came up. Uh, I need to talk to you. Uh, let me know when's a good time to call you. I will call you. Don't call me. Once again, I think that's very paranoia, mm. like a very like paranoid person. Yes. Like, like that's something somebody who's paranoid would say. So he calls him and he rushes down there and like the, and it's the part of the, the show where, or the documentary where they're talking about element 115 and Jeremy or Jeremy goes, do you have element 115 on you? And in like text, like subtitles almost, it says, uh, this conversation was mentioned when his house was raided the following day. And I was like, you fuckers need to hide your phones. Yeah. Like if you, and not to get political, but like, if you look at like the storming of the Capitol, they straight up said, like, if you had your phone on you and you went into the Capitol, it's just a matter of when they find, when they get you, not if. So it's kind of yeah. like, and like Snowden pointed it out. Uh, I read an interview that Snowden did and he has a little burner phone and he doesn't turn it off because people will just turn their phone off. No, he, it's like a little flip phone. He opens it, takes the battery completely out. Yeah. And then, and then puts it in like in a, a microwave and then, oh, oh, I think, or that. Yeah. And so they're just like, it's like, I can't hear shit. It's like the. The documentary audio. When we recorded with the microwave. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, OG should remember that. <laughs> 20, yeah. Ooh, 25, damn. 25 episodes ago. We, could, we, we were just using, like, TV trays. And now we got a crispy table. We got a crispy table. I love this table. But I thought that shit was intense. I was like, and then they didn't even answer the fucking question. They kind of did. Because I think you cannot answer that question ever. I think at that, least at least not on film. out loud, right? But we all I think yeah, if, you could write on you this paper. No. And it says yes on it. You alluded. They alluded to it by immediately. Like, it, it's crazy because. I think what you might have left out there was the conversation they had in the woods. That, I think well, that's you, what you, the were, conversation. You, you were. That's what you were talking about. Yeah. So they, were, they were trying to be as secluded as humanly possible. And then there came the important time. And then Jeremy was like, let's put our phones in the dirt somewhere like let's like let, put him away yeah, so turn he it was, off he was conscientious of it that's but not then enough though for the fbi to raid the next fucking day and mention that conversation like what the, and they've already they already had raided his lab too and they and they were like oh we're trying to find a document of a supply you sold somebody two years ago that was possibly toxic it's like no you don't come in here with the entire with every single agency and be like, oh yeah, we're here to find. No, you you come in with like three guys and be like, hey, stand here. We just need to go through your documentation. We're gonna audit you, right? So that was a bit fishy. But um, overall, I I was entertained. Um, went a different direction than I was expecting. I think that might be a good thing. Mm, so yeah. uh, I'll start with my rating first. I give this a solid three point five pineapples out of five. Mm -hmm. So what about what about you, Chris? Um, I have one final yes. sentiment. Yes, please Which give us that because like I might help your rating. Too. Two seconds. Um, basically, with 
Bob Lazar is one of those whistleblower types like Snowden, Assange, all these people who, you know, depending on who you ask, you're either domestic terrorist or philanthropist, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on your patriotism, right? But uh, how you tell the difference is how the government goes after them. The, F- right. the FBI raided Bob Lazar because they thought he had element 115. Now, that's one thing. If he was the just no name, somebody who just made up a story, then he'd be getting sued for libel or slander, right? right. Well, they said they were going to threaten him with espionage charges. Exactly. Breaking the fucking espionage act. Bro, that's very specific language. That means you see the FBI's going after him because he did something that pissed them off. That's super legitimizing. That means, yeah, that motherfucker did that and they're hunting after. Yeah, they don't just go after people for no reason. Correct. Correct. So my rating, um, there was this was really good. It's hard to create a rating for documentaries. Um, I'll put this at a solid four. It was pretty good. Okay. I was pretty satisfied with what I saw and enlightened. George, please round us out on this. Uh yeah. So absolute final thoughts. Uh with everything being released, I know we had mentioned it a little earlier, uh, the, these documents coming out about uh, the, the government and their knowledge about, you know, UFOs. I think in the, in the months, it, it, I'm not even saying years, in the months to come, there's going to be this uh, huge, you know, revelation in a sense that, you know, our government is accepting the fact that these things are here and they've known for a while. It depends to me on how they control this narrative. Uh, They can go full control, right? Which is like, we know they're here. We're safe. There's no need to worry, which I think they'll go with because you don't want to create a panic. Oh, absolutely not. Um, But at the same exact time, I think slowly but surely it's documentaries like this. It's more um, people coming out. I think it's just like slowly like peeling open a rose, right? You know, you can wait for it to grow over a couple of days or you can start to yank back motherfucking layers. And I think we're at the point now where there's no holding back these layers and it's just a matter of how this is all funneled to us. Is it all given to us as one huge load or is it given to us in you know pieces throughout our entire lives? That's coming. That being said, this documentary for me gets a five Dang. without a hesitation. Love the Call of Duty tie-ins. I love um, that it's not the norm and when it comes to documentaries they really went above and beyond after living uh, after listening to joe rogan talk to bob lazar and jeremy corbell we me and austin had similar takeaways which was similar to joe rogan's which is like jeremy corbell did way too much talking yep <laughs> um you know like he kind of fucking ruined what could have possibly been a, a really good interview because you know you just want to listen to bob's stories the whole time at the same time, after watching this, I understand why Jeremy went as hard as he did. Yeah. Because he was trying to legitimize a man that's been put down for 30 plus years now. Um, like I said, five pineapples out of five. Uh, guys, I would like to say this. I am very pleased with the way we attacked this podcast today. Yeah. I am extremely good. pleased. Well, Absolutely. De- we think you're doing. We're dealing with some professionals here. In the, in I know. I know. I love since you, boys. Six God. Goddamn sixth grade. That's all we talk about is conspiracy theories and like just weird shit. Yes. Putting our nut on the gut. I on the sure. ball. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. You know how to find us. But once again, we, we encourage you to go out and form your own opinion. Watch it. It's called Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Sausage. It's on Netflix. 
hour and a half. I don't let my interpretation. I just I'm picky with editing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an art style, so I can't I can't say too much. But you know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. You got some UFS UFO stories you want to tell us? Tell us. Lukewarm Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us. Also, we're on YouTube. For everybody watching on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. Find us Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. And until next time, guys, Jinkui. 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 Jinkui.